You are listening to Dive to the Heart, Episode 1. In this episode, the moment you have all been waiting for. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the first episode of Dive to the Heart, a Kingdom Hearts podcast. I am your host, Ethan Daniels. You may know me from other shows I do that I will not list here. And joining me, as will come to be expected, is the lovely and talented Mackenzie Hewer. How you doing, Z? I am doing wonderful. How are you today, Ethan? I am very good. You know, <laughs> the usual stuff going on. Yeah. So, from what I understand, we have some news to cover. We have some amazing news to cover. (laughs) Well then, let's get to it. Alright, and we're back with the news, and we have three very big things to cover. Isn't that right? We do. We have... I mean, with E3, um, we have a lot of exciting revelations going on in the Kingdom Hearts world that I am super excited about. As am I. The first bit of news, we've known about it forever, but we've recently gotten in some gameplay trailers, which are mostly of gameplay we've already seen, is Kingdom Hearts 1.5 HD Remix. Yeah, which is about, you know, it's it's like the other uh, mixes that they've done, but it, you know, it gives a new audience to it, so it's nice. Included in Kingdom Hearts 1.5 HD Remix is Kingdom Hearts 1, mm-hmm. Kingdom Hearts Rechain of Memories, so card games in HD, and the cutscenes from Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days, because I guess they figured nobody wants to play Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days. <laughs> I, don't... I I feel like that would be difficult to put on, since they tend to stay away from online in the Kingdom Hearts. So it would be hard to give it a multiplayer base into this 1.5 mix. Um, I mean, moving moving from Game Boy Advance to PS, uh, I guess it would be 3 at this point, um, PS3 isn't that difficult, um, because it's all basically the same stuff, it's just, I'm sure a lot of what 356 over 2 days had going for it was that multiplayer element, and you can't get that unless you go online. It's weird, because I never played the multiplayer, I like 358 because it's a really good story. See, I liked the multiplayer. I liked the story too. Like I I I did actually enjoy that game, but that's also because I'm <laughs> such a fangirl for Roxas and Axel. That's neither here you nor really there. <laughs> um and the multiplayer like I liked it to a certain extent. I mean, it got really old after a while, but I thought it was just so much fun playing as organization characters. <laughs> <laughs> and then all those unlockables, all those oh no. equally terrible unlockables. 
Donald is the worst character. I haven't liked Donald in any of these games. I find him incredibly obnoxious. Although, him healing me during games is pretty nice. So what you're saying is he's Donald Duck. (laughs) Truth. (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, I pre-ordered it because it's coming with a free art book if you pre-order it at GameStop locations in the United States. I'm not sure about... Canada or Australia or any of those other places yeah. that is likely going to really get sure it. Not really sure about the European countries. Yeah. But hey, Square Enix does love you more than us because normally we get stickers with our special editions. Woo, stickers! <laughs> it's like they think we're six. <laughs> they do think we're six. Yeah. I mean, the game is rated E for like 12 year olds, so. Yeah, E10 and up. Yeah. <laughs> I actually think 2 has 12 and up. Or wait, maybe it is 10 and up. And it was just E for everyone on the first one. Yeah, I think they've all been E10 and up since Kingdom Hearts 2. Yeah. You know, for comical violence. <laughs> oh. Yes, comical violence. Yeah. Not the... Not the millions of things the censors find, but they can't actually mention. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's entirely what comical violence is. It's like, that that guy is flamboyantly gay, but we don't have a rating for that. So... So give him a manly voice and keep the pink hair. We'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. He was actually he actually had brown hair in the original Chain of Memories, Yeah, I know. Enough. He had like a... It was a little bit rosy-tinted, but... It got progressively more pink throughout all these games. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's funny because he was originally supposed to be a woman, but we're getting off track. We are. We're getting so off track. <laughs> it's hard not to. I know. There's so much going on. <laughs> Speaking of things that are going on, another big announcement that, again, we've known about forever, but we have gameplay trailers, yay. Yay. Is Kingdom Hearts Kai or Kingdom Hearts X as you're probably going to type it on your keyboard because you don't have access to Latin letters? Greek, actually, but whatever. <laughs> They're virtual. Rome and Greece were virtually the same thing. Uh, the you know Trojan army would probably say different, but <laughs> they've been dead for millennia. Yeah. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts Kai is a MMORPG using the art style of Kingdom Hearts Mobile. <laughs> Chibis! Yay! It is canon, and from what we understand, it is going to take place during the Keyblade War that basically set up liver- literally every facet of the Kingdom Hearts continuity, so... That's fun. Super. We're obligated. We are obligated to play it. Yes. But I mean, it's not like it's that bad of an obligation. Could be doing worse things with our time. Oh, yeah. Like reading fan fiction? I do love me some fan fiction. I mean, I have an app on my phone, I can take it anywhere. It's better than hauling around 73 billion pages of the stuff in your purse. I know! Think about how much printing I save. 
Sorry. I have no idea when Kingdom Hearts Kai is going to hit the States, because we don't research things here on Dive to the Heart. If you want actual good research, there's the main Kingdom Hearts podcast for that. We're just we're just fanboys and fangirls. I barely do research for class. <laughs> uh, now I'm sad. Uh, I'm looking, trying to look it up. Uh, no, we don't have anything listed yet, other than a beta test. Yeah, it's been beta testing Since in March. Japan. Yeah, it's... But beta's supposed to be ending in August. Hmm. That probably means we'll... That probably means it will at least hit Japan in August. Yeah. Who knows about here? Yeah. It's, it's kind of interesting because most MMOs are developed by uh, American developers like Blizzard and yeah stuff. I'm kind of interested to see how it uh, ranks against common um, MMOs over here. Because people seem very, you know, into their World of Warcraft and stuff like that. I know there's, you know, hundreds and thousands of these things. So, yeah. we'll see how it deals. It has a big name behind it. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's probably going to get a lot of that um, following from the fandom. But I'm going to see if we can... I'm going to see how it deals with people who, like, don't... Because there are a lot of people that don't stick to games that are not on the PC. So it's interesting to see a Kingdom Hearts game on a PC browser. Hmm. Yeah. Because it is browser-based. Mm-hmm. It's not like a program you install onto the computer or anything. It's. I mean, it'll probably function like a regular MMO. Yeah. Except chibis. Yeah, because you got to make it cute. It's it has Disney behind it. It doesn't mean anything. It does. I mean, do you think half of the cute little stuff that they put in Kingdom Hearts would be there if Disney wasn't there? No. <laughs> but then again, Kingdom Hearts probably wouldn't be as dark as it is yeah. is if it wasn't for Disney because Final Fantasy has. Final Fantasy doesn't get nearly as dark as Disney does. Disney does tend to get pretty dark, but I think a little bit of the realism that they put in the game is more along the lines of what Square ne- Square Enix is doing and uh, instead of Disney. Because I feel like Disney, it would be like a cutesy game, because we've seen like what they did with... Um, what was the game that Disney came out with recently with uh, Mickey... Epic Mickey? Yeah, that one. Like, where they tried to make it gritty and dark, but still have, like, that Disney flair to it, and that didn't... I don't... At least the sequel didn't do well to it. The sequel also had troubles with the gameplay, and... Luckily, we don't have too many of those problems here in Kingdom Hearts. (laughs) Yet. Yet. (laughs) The keyword is yet. (laughs) Well, actually, we've had plenty of gameplay 
problem. Yeah, I mean, we did have a... Um, in an addition with cards. I don't know. I still really don't like Chain of Memories all that much, so... You do. Yeah, I, I just... After playing the first one and then playing Chain of Memories, I didn't like how they set up this, the gameplay. It just was not yeah. fun. But now that we've gotten off topic again, Ethan, we have one more exciting piece of news, don't we? Yeah, it, it's it's no biggie, no. you know. It's just the game that we've all been waiting for. Forever. <laughs> this this franchise is 11 years old now, and we're finally getting the third numbered title. Yay! <laughs> Thousands, millions of people will rejoice over this title. It will bring Kingdom Hearts back into the mainstream. Because um, it is, I've uh, been to a number of conventions, and you can see how it dwindles over the years. Like the first year that I go when I'm 16, and you know there are all these Kingdom Hearts player cosplayers, and you know this recent years it's been very, very little. You get less people that are you know really interested in it because it's been around for so long. But this is going to revive it. This is going to push it up there. Or it might kill it even faster when Don't people say are that. like. I am gonna have this rosy tinted <laughs> outlook on this entire thing that it's gonna be awesome and Oh, the game's gonna be awesome. The reaction I will love anything that Kingdom Hearts does right now as long as it's not cards. <laughs> and it will cause me to, you know, buy another uh system. <laughs> I didn't even buy a 3DS. I know. It's so hard to keep up with. You don't understand. I'm in college. This stuff is expensive. <laughs> I understand perfectly. You explain it to me every time. <laughs> well, you know what? I've got a job, so I'm going to put away going to put away a little bit each time, and eventually I will be able to have enough money to buy new systems. I'll be able to have enough money to buy a PS4, and I'll have enough money to buy a 3DS, so that I can, you know, not only play Kingdom Hearts, but I can play Pokemon, and all this other stuff that I'm missing out on. Sounds great. Yes. But yeah, we only have no. the trailer for Kingdom Hearts 3 right now, and, and when it changes between, like, the old look and, like, the new graphics that they've got going on, it looks beautiful. But we uh, but we still have no idea what's going no, on. No, we do not, and that is half the fun. <laughs> Sora's on a beach, and then and then for some reason he's fighting a giant snake made of shadows yeah, and and riding it. Like, what is up with this game? Like, is is that gonna be a special move? Like, is it gonna be like the you know triangle button? You're gonna have to hit it and be able to do it at a certain time. Is it gonna be a time thing? Or is it going to be a cutscene or something weird like that? I'm so interested. <laughs> Why does it happen in Twilight Town? <laughs> yeah, it is kind but of interesting that they picked Twilight Town because... I don't know. Usually, they've had, like, with the titled games, they've had it where they've, you know, you've got the main town of the game. Like, Traverse yeah. Town was really big in the first game, and Twilight Town was really big in the second game, and it 
I mean, we didn't... You don't really go back to those after you're done with them. Yeah, uh, Traverse Town, you... Traverse Town, you kind of return to, like, two hours back into the game after you've beaten Deep Jungle. Yeah. But they also set up Traverse Town as, like, a way to replenish stocks. And it had a lot of the storyline in it. Like, you had to go and talk to people, and you had to go and get them to, like, you know, help you out and get different Trinity Marks and stuff like that. (laughs) Trinity Marks. There's a gameplay mechanic nobody misses. Yeah. (laughs) I remember how I'd switch somebody out of my party, you know, and then find a Trinity Mark and go, why in the world do I not have this? (laughs) (laughs) Why can't our temporary party members link up with us. I'd ra- I'd rather be best friends with Aladdin than I would Donald. Because yeah. it was always Donald. Nobody kept Donald. I don't even... I actually think most of the time I kept Goofy over... I, I left Goofy out over Donald just because at least Donald would give me power-ups. I found that Goofy did nothing for my gameplay. <laughs> Goofy lasts a long time. Yeah, he does last long Because he has like he has like triple the HP and Donald was constantly knocked out during battles, like useless. And an endless stream of annoying voice clips. Mm. I'm I'm excited to hear those come back. Oh, aren't we all? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the king the Kingdom Hearts three is finally coming and we're all excited and we all have our ideas for worlds that we want in them and Yeah. But right now I it's all speculation because we don't really have all that much information. I want Tangled. Tangled. That'll be cute. Uh, yeah, as long as they don't make any more chicken little references, I'll be okay. <laughs> They'll make an entire chicken re- little world and you know it. Oh, I would hate them forever. I mean, I would still play the game, but I would still have this, like, dark-seated hatred for them putting Chicken Little back in the game, because that was a terrible movie. Disney has so just many, fr- much, so much greater volumes of works than just that single film. Just just think about it this way. If Chicken Little's put in, then, the, then we're basically preventing Home on the Range. That is true. Because you can only have so many terrible Disney movies involved. Yeah, I mean, I still think that they should stick with the animated classics, because when they tried tried to put Pirates of the Caribbean in there, it didn't look right. The style was off. Like, they tried to make it gritty and realistic, and it's not like that. It's pretty interesting, because they actually have a texture built into all the Kingdom Hearts games, at least the ones that include Halloween Town, that makes everything look more realistic because of how Halloween Town is animated. It's not traditional animation or CG animation, it's stop motion. Mm-hmm. So it has a, has a different look, and they used it for Halloween Town, but they didn't use it for the Pirates of the Caribbean world, and it didn't, and they didn't use it for Space Paranoids, and it would have made them look nicer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, Halloween Town looked really nice. You know, it looked like it f- was fluid throughout the entire series. Like it didn't, 
look like you stepped into an extremely different world. It had that touch of Tim Burton where it had, you know, the art style, but it was yeah. not... It was not, like, it didn't look like it was from a different game. Like, it looked like they took Pirates of the Caribbean out of, like, the game that they would have made for, like, the movie and added in some Kingdom Hearts elements and just threw it in there. Yeah, let's throw Pete in there. Just just Pete. Yeah. What's he doing? Nobody cares. He's just being Pete. Yeah, I really hope they don't bring Pete back for the third game. They have to. No. He's now, he's now Maleficent's second-in-command. They have to. Oh, God. He can be a good villain. Sure, let's go with that. <laughs> Timeless River happened because of him. Make of that what you will. <laughs> I like Timeless River. I didn't mind Timeless River. I thought it was it was a cutesy it was a cutesy world. It was It was a short world. Yeah, and I mean it was kind of just like that, oh look, we used to do black and white stuff. And that was pretty much what it was. <laughs> and now they're doing that again, kind of sort of. Not really. The new Mickey cartoons are kind of sort of in black and white, but not really. How are the just said they a bunch kind of words of, but at once. not really. Yeah. It's it's complicated. Oh, that's weird. It like Mickey, he looks like he did in Steamboat Willie, and then things related to him are in like black and white. But then you get out of his comfort zone, and then everything's in color, but it all still looks like it's from Steamboat Willie. And <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> in other words, it's exactly like Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> But yeah, I think everybody and their grandmother is excited for Kingdom Hearts 3. Yeah. I mean, how can you not? <laughs> you are not Maybe a true we'll fan if you're not excited for this game. <laughs> well, you are. It just means your favorite game is probably Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep or something stupid like that. Uh. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. You play as a ki you play as an awful character. You play as a character who's good in theory, and then you play as Ventus. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll finally get the Sword in the Stone world we've been promised since Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days. That would be interesting. Yeah. I actually had that on VHS when I was a child, and it, it was kind of one of those ones where I would watch it not as often as the rest of them, but I think now that I'm older, it makes a lot more sense. Nah, nah, it's, it's still trippy. It's <laughs> still as trippy as it always was. But I think that's it for all the news. Yep. So let's move into the topic where we are going to talk about Sora things. Yay! <laughs> I love Sora. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. And we're going to talk about 
the original characters and the original world of Kingdom Hearts. I am not promising we'll get to all of it in this one. This might have to be a two-part topic, but we're going to try our best. We are so going to have to do two parts of this. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, if we're talking about original characters, we might as well start from the beginning. Yeah, start out with our protagonist. Sora. Sora, no last name. Yeah, but apparently he has a mother. Voiced by Kat Sosi. Who Who never shows up again. Yeah, you may also know Kat Sosi at as Lil from Rugrats. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Sora is bright-eyed, innocent, nothing affects him. He plays with wooden swords. He has a crush on Kyrie. Yeah, it's like he sh- you show up with him in the first game and he's, you know, this idealistic kid that but, all he wants in the world is to be happy and to go visit other worlds and to visit other worlds because you know he's he's a dreamer yeah he's a starry-eyed dreamer in comparison to his best friend yeah sora the thing about sora is that he's He's not given a lot of personality at first because he's supposed to be the the player mm-hmm. in a sense and but again it's hard not it's hard to picture yourself and I believe this is why a lot of people had a problem with Final Fantasy 10 because but when your when your main protagonist speaks as much as Sora does yeah you get taken out of you being the character but Sora, he he lives on this island with his mother and presumed father, and everything goes great. He's friends with Riku and Waka and Selfie and Titus. And Kyrie. But Kyrie's not native. No, she's not. <sighs> but. Yeah, he he's just living his life. Until one day, this hot chick wait washes up on his his beach, or eventual hot chick because she's five. Yeah. <laughs> so, girl washes up on the beach, and Sora's like, "Hey, we should we should probably tell someone about this." And Riku's like, "Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Let me go mope in the corner about it." <laughs> So they bring so Sora, uh, and here's where we start to see things about him early on. He's very he's very kind. He's a bit dopey, but he his heart's in the right place. And yeah, he's very passionate about his friends, and you know he wants good for the world. That kind of thing. He also has a tad bit of an inferiority. He he believes himself inferior to Riku. Yeah, and I mean, even in the first game, they really put you down a lot because it is so hard to beat Riku. Yeah, but once you do it, 
Oh my gosh, that five experience looks so great. <laughs> but, and this really shows in him where he both feels he's inferior to Riku, but he's not willing to stand up to Riku. So, about the most stressful part of his life until the events of the game actually get going is when Riku starts to hint that he may have an interest in Kairi. Yeah. Because Sora suddenly is like, wait, what? Whoever wins this race gets to share a Palpu fruit with Kairi. You know the legend of the Palpu fruit, <laughs> Sora. <laughs> they pound that in. They do. So much. And the Palpu fruit, they pound it in. They keep going back to this. No one ever eats this bloody fruit. Yeah, I know. Ugh. And then everybody just forgets. So, Sora... Sora's just living on this island, playing with his friends, building a raft to get off the world, because it's revealed that the residents of Destiny Islands, the world where he lives, a tropical paradise in a sense, they don't have a grasp of what's beyond the ocean. They think that their city is it, and they... They really don't know what's out there, and the only thing to make them believe that there might even be someone out there is because Kyrie washed up on shore. Mm-hmm. There's really no other thing saying, hey, we really... Is there even anything out there? But And the adults just sort of, of pass this off as being like, yeah, what, whatever, we found this girl, don't don't start thinking too much about it. But Sora and Riku instantly are like, okay, we need to find where this girl's from, because if they're... Because if someone was able to wash up on shores, that means there's something out there. Whether it's another country, or another continent, or even another planet. There's something out there. Yeah. So, Sora builds this raft with his friends Riku and Kairi, while also beating up on Riku, who, by the way, says he does everything for them, and then proceeds to do nothing. Except beat up Sora, and then race Sora, so that he can win, calling the, um, calling the boat, what was it? Riku wanted High Wind? Yeah. Named, of course, after the popular Final Fantasy VII character, Sid Highwind. Yeah. So, Sora is just living on his island until the night when everything goes wrong. A storm starts brewing on the tropical paradise of Destiny Islands, and the first thing Sora decides is that he should run out into the, into the hurricane, risking his own safety to save his wrath. Because that's the first thing that I think of. Because living yes. on a tropical paradise, you can't build another one. Yeah, it's... I mean, it's not like there are logs literally everywhere. Yeah. But they worked hard on this raft. He needs to save this one particular raft that is made of, like, ten logs, a stick... Yeah, they really only make you go out and get, like, two logs, and they manage to make, you know... 
And Riku has five on his shoulder in the first cutscene. Yeah. And then, so Sora is, goes out, and that's where he encounters his little arch enemies, the Heartless. He finds that he, he is powerless to stop them. Yeah. With his wooden sword. But luckily, you know, five minutes later, you don't have to fight with a wooden sword anymore. No, because Riku gets swallowed into the realm of darkness. Yeah. Because Riku's an idiot like that. He, he willingly goes into the realm of darkness. Mm-hmm. He, I'm not afraid of the darkness, Sora. I'm not afraid! <laughs> and he tries to get Sora to go with him, but... Yeah, and Sora... And it's unbeknownst if Sora was actually going to do it, or if he was trying to pull him out of there. Yeah. But the darkness can't touch Sora at this point, and that's when Sora gets the Keyblade. Not the, not the Keyblade that's the mythical weapon of all power, just, just a normal Keyblade. Yeah. It's very confusing that they pronounce the X-Blade the Keyblade. <clears throat> so now Sora's able to beat up on the Heartless and for probably the first time in his life Sora feels special so he decides now he's gonna play Knight in Shining Armor and go save his damsel in distress who has lost her heart yeah and her ability to act very much so <laughs> it's like <laughs> Apparently, being in a sort of coma, I guess, you just, you know, give up altogether. She she was completely zombie. Yeah. So, he goes to save her, and then a door opens, which sends him to a floating island in the sky, where he has to fight everyone's least favorite favorite boss, Darkseid. The makers of Kingdom Hearts really enjoy two boss fights. The Dark Side boss fight and the Guard Armor boss fight. Oh, yeah. You'll probably have to play those like five million times before this game series is done. Oh, yeah. They even they even try to shake it up, but no. No, it's just Dark Side and Guard Armor. Yeah. I mean, okay. do they really think they're faking us out with Opposite Armor? Really? Opposite Armor at the very least, had different attacks. Yeah. You want to talk about a complete ripoff? Play Trinity Armor. <laughs> Trinity Armor. He's three pieces. He's completely different. Mm -hmm. So, Sora uh, beats Darkseid, but can't stop his home from being swallowed into the black hole sun. And, next thing he knows, he's woken up in the in the city of Traverse Town by a dog. Yeah. This makes sense, I guess. So, Sora very quickly has to readjust to his surroundings. He goes into the into the closest door that's open and finds this grumpy guy. Yeah. Who decides who decides after 3 minutes of talking to Sora that he should help him out because this is Sid Highwind and he's actually and he's actually awesome. 
He's also going to have his voice actor changed in between games. Yeah, why not? So, we have have Sid, the moment Sora steps outside his door, the heartless attack. So, Sora... So, at this point, Sora's starting to realize, oh, wait, they're probably coming after me. Yeah. I mean, they're following him everywhere. So he fights them for a little while, explores the city a little bit. It's and then when he finally can't take it anymore, he he sees someone lose their heart, which interesting point in um in the actual game, this person is of course a shopkeep. In the in the manga, this was a prostitute. Hmm. Yeah. And she, um, and she offered herself to the 14-year-old boy. Lovely. Because that's all we need in a Disney game. So, he sees someone, one, get their heart ripped out, and of course, this being a very traumatic experience, he decides, I need to go back to Sid. And before he is able to do that, he meets Mr. Perfect Hair himself, Squall Leonhart. Yeah, and Yuffie. Yeah. After he gets beaten up by Squall, he gets exhausted from beating up Squall. I have seen that cutscene, by the way. Really? Squall? I have never beaten Squall. Yeah, I've beaten Squall. Once you're able to do it once, you're able to do it every other time, because basically it's a very simple old strategy. You you avoid his his gun blast, you come and hit him a few times, and then you run away. Mm. It takes, like, five minutes to do the fight, but it's, and it's a very lame alternate cutscene, but you get the satisfaction of beating Squall. Hmm. But... Yeah, so Sora, of course, again, he's really confused. He's in the city he doesn't know, and he has this guy who wants to help him out, out, but now he has this guy who's just attacking him for no apparent reason. Sora is completely lost at this point. Yeah. And... And so he's... Squall, of course, is being the kid around... Knocks him out, and Sora wakes up to Yuffie Kisaragi. Kisaragi, yes, that's the name. Who is... Who at first he thinks is Kairi. Yeah. Which, I guess, you know, she says the exact same line. Yeah. It's kind of... It's a little bit of a stretch, but... Yeah, they don't sound anything alike. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think so either. Hayden Panettiere sounding like Chris. Nah. <laughs> it was more believable in the second game where Yuffie was Mae Whitman. Mm. But, yeah. So Sora, he's completely lost and. And so it's time for Squall to play Exposition Fairy. Explain lays, the plot. 
He lays so much on Sora. I'm surprised that Sora isn't as confused as we are every single time we try to think about the continuity. He's like, he's like, you're the chosen one. They're the heartless. They're hunting you. You're the only person who wants to, who can destroy them. I don't know why the heartless are hunting after the one person that can destroy them, but. <laughs> Yeah, this just like they're drawn is... to the Keyblade, but you know, you were given the Keyblade to battle them, but they were already there before you got it. Like, yeah, I, I, oh. I, I don't think Squall knows what's going on at this point because he hasn't read the Ansem reports. Yeah. So Squall is, is explaining what he believes the plot to be, and he even explained. He and then they get attacked by a heartless that appears right in the room that was supposed to be safe. Yeah. And Squall instantly jumps out a window. And Sora uses the door. Sora. <laughs> Not as awesome. What is Squall's deal anyways? I don't know. I mean, the door was unlocked. Yeah, but it just looks, you know, cooler to jump out the window to escape from danger, I suppose. Yeah. So Sora has to roam around the city being attacked by Heartless. He meets some puppies, you know? Mm-hmm. This is, this is very important. Oh, yeah. And eventually he makes, makes his way to the third district. Which is... I think it's... I don't know. Like, I can... Like, some of the other things make sense. The first district is a residential district. The second district is an economic district. The third district, I guess, is supposed to be, like, a place where people gather. Yeah. But he makes his way to the third district and instantly gets attacked by a... By the Heartless and their boss, Guard Armor. Everyone's most redundant boss to fight. Mm-hmm. It, and he also finds out that there's this duck and this dog thing that have been hunting for him. Because they, he is the chosen one, Harry. Yeah. <laughs> so the three of them team up and are able to defeat the Scourge that is Guard Armor. And... Basically... They're like, Hey, we work together. We should team up. Well, duh. That's why we're here. We're supposed to help you on your journey. You are? Yes, we are. Yeah. Huh. No one told me about that. (laughs) Just why not, you know? Yeah. And something about a spaceship. Or a gummy ship. Which Sora wants to pilot, which... It really... He shows... Again, he's really naive. He, He's really naive, and he just sweats confidence. Yeah. Because he's like, I know I don't know how to pilot a spaceship, but I am... But I can totally do this. You guys just need to trust me. And Don's like, No. We're not going to trust you with our spaceship. Do you know how much money the kingdom spent building this thing? It's not... Which, again... It's not actually... It doesn't cost anything to build them. They're made off... 
they're made out of pieces of atmosphere. Yeah. That you just kind of find around places. By shooting things. Yes. So, Sora, Donald, and Goofy start on this epic quest, and it's really great. Highlights include going to Wonderland and saving Alice, which... Another thing Sora is, he's impulsive. Donald makes it very clear that they're not allowed to get involved in the events of the world, so the first thing he does is get involved. Mm-hmm. Of course, to be fair, you you really should have had Goofy relay that information to him. Yeah. Be- because nobody knows what Donald is saying. I've played the first Kingdom Hearts game maybe three or four times. Mm-hmm. And I've heard Donald's same five clips every... You know, the sound clips he fights, he plays when he fights? Yeah. I have no idea what he's saying. <laughs> at all. I caught when he heals people, he says, Sora, and he says, Goofy. But then every other sound clip is just like... <laughs> <laughs> Everyone. So, there's that. We have... So, he goes to Wonderland, gets involved. You have the option of getting Blizzard at this point if you really want to try hard enough. Yeah. Or you could just wait until you complete the world. And he saves Alice, which proves that he's a hero, at least. So what's the next place he goes to? The place where they call him out for being a rookie. Yep. Hooray! Hooray! Going to worlds that contradict your pre-established character traits. Yeah. I like how the requirement for Phil, for somebody to be a hero, is that they have to have their... They have to be a constellation. And then Sora becomes a constellation. (laughs) And it doesn't make sense to anybody why they did this, because Sora isn't from Greek mythology. Yeah. At all. He doesn't even belong there. And not to mention, the stars are worlds. Why the heck does Zeus favorite Sora so much? He probably ships... He probably ships him with himself. Probably ships Sora with Zeus. <laughs> you know we still haven't seen Zeus. No, we haven't. Anyways, so Sora... So when Phil basically calls Sora out on not being an official hero, Sora gets pretty angry at this. Great way to start a friendship. Yeah. So what? So the first thing Sora do, does is he acts all impulsive, and he's like, Fine. If entering your tournament and slaying monsters is how I'm going to become a hero, I'll enter your tournament and slay monsters. What kind of, How hard can it be? I slay monsters all the time. So, he fights monsters. And then he fights Cloud. Yeah. I feel like at that point, everybody stopped paying attention. Like, all the Final Fantasy fans Kingdom Hearts was trying to attract, they just stopped paying attention to Cloud. <laughs> so... He meets up with Cloud, and Sora has that character trait where he can be friends with anybody. 
he can just make friends with anybody, even the depressed people mm-hmm. that don't like him. Because Cloud really does not like him. So, Sora comes in, and he fights Cloud, and he alternatively wins or loses. It's completely optional. You have to win. And then he has to fight Cerberus, who is giant for some reason. Yeah. I chalk that up to the fact that the actual mythological Cerberus would have been so unintimidating. True. (laughs) The actual mythological Cerberus is just the size of a dog. Yeah, but they did make him bigger in the Disney movie for Hercules. Yeah, that's true. At least he doesn't have size inconsistencies like some other things. (laughs) So, Sora beats Cerberus after Hercules wore him down, and Sora makes their next stop, and here's where you can... And here's where Sora starts to get in trouble with his compatriots. Because Donald doesn't... Donald keeps shooting down his dreams. Sora keeps going like, I want to fly the spaceship. Donald's just like, like, no, you cannot fly the spaceship. I can... Hey, Donald, I think we should stop here. No, King Mickey wouldn't be in that world. We're also looking for my friends. Who said we were looking for your friends? Yeah. You did. I did? Yeah. Don't you remember, Don? You told him we were going to look for his friends so that he'd come along with us. (laughs) Son of a... So the two argue, and then they crash into Deep Jungle, a world which, unfortunately, we will never see again. Mm-hmm. Dang you, Edgar Rice Burroughs! So, Sora, at this point, is just really angry at his comrade. Not Goofy, no one can be angry at Goofy. But he just doesn't want anything to do with their quest anymore. He wants to find Riku, and find Kairi, and then just get out. Go back to a home that isn't there, and... If he can't find it, I guess he was planning on going back to Traverse Town? I don't know. I don't really think he had a plan, like... Yeah, Sora's plan was probably to live in the treehouse in Deep Jungle after he found the <sighs> Probably. And, to be fair, Sora could probably make it work. I mean, those three built a raft. In a day. After planning it for years. Yeah. So, basically, they probably could live in a treehouse if they needed to. And again, Sora makes friends, because Sora makes friends easily. He makes friends with Tarzan, the ape man, who wields a a spear, which he stabs people with. Yeah. I mean, and it's a th- the whole reason that he's yeah. helping out Tarzan is because he thinks his friends are there. Like, he thinks Tarzan is trying to tell him that his friends are there. Yeah. Yeah, Tarzan... It's obvious that this person has, has problems speaking English. I mean, <coughs> you... 
You probably should. I mean, for crying out loud. <laughs> he, even his girlfriend doesn't understand him. They act like it's a big surprise when the friends aren't there. Yeah, you know. So, yeah, it's it's basically their own it's their own fault for trusting the ape man. But Sora learns something about hearts, which you know, that's important. Your friends are always in your heart. Yeah. Home is where the heart is, so your real home's in your chest. Yeah, I wish that worked. That'd be much cheaper than trying to find somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, it has to work. Nathan Fillion said it. Mm. And everybody knows everything Nathan Fillion says is true. Mm. So Sora uh, doesn't find his friends, but they find this weird piece of atmosphere that just happens to be in the jungle grove and he decides, hey, who do we know who can fix gummy ships? Oh right, that Sid guy, that grumpy guy who kept who keeps annoying me. Yeah. And they go on on back to Traverse Town, which is a long trip. And Donald's like like, okay Sora, I'll let you drive this once. And Sora's like Yay! And he almost crashes the gummy ship. That's why Donald doesn't let you drive. So. <laughs> I mean, he's only like 14. He couldn't even have a driver's license. We're... And then and then in the next game, he's sitting front and center in the cockpit. Yeah. So, apparently sleeping for for 360-something days equals... 350-something days equates you learning how to be an expert gummy ship pilot? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, gummy ships in Kingdom Hearts 2 were insane. They were a lot more fun than they were in Kingdom Hearts 1, but they were insane. Yeah. There were space pirates. So, that's that happens. They fly back to, um... To Traverse Town, and Sora, he's, and Sora learns that Riku is alive, and this makes him happy. But Riku just keeps disappearing. Yeah. He's like, Sora's like, "Hey, Riku, what's up? Hey, Riku, meet where Riku? Where'd you go?" Every single time Sora turns his back on Riku, Riku disappears. Riku is not a good friend. Yeah, he's he's very self-serving in the game. Yeah. And although Sora is the naive one, Sora has his has his sense of what's good and what's evil at least in check enough to not trust the green person. Yeah. I mean, he trusted Hades, but Hades isn't necessarily untrustworthy. He's like Rumpelstiltskin. He's evil, he's sadistic, he's cruel. Well, he's all these things, but he's still trustworthy. 
to a degree. Mm-hmm. He, Hades will still break his deals if they don't if they don't go his way. But yeah, so and Riku, meanwhile, Riku's selfish. So selfish that his own goals outrank his sense of morality, which is probably why he was a prime target for Xehanort. Yeah. He he instantly trusts Maleficent, and Riku's also very possessive, to the point where his whole reason for going evil was, was you can't be friends with that person, I'm friends with them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he, um... Sora's overjoyed to see Riku. Riku, not so much him. Because Riku at this point's in the mindset that Sora's not going out to find Kairi. He's just jerking around the universe with his friends. Yeah. He and seems Sora- way more interested to find Riku than he did Kairi. Yeah. Of course, then again, at this point, wait, Sora is still in the mindset that he needs Riku because he can't do this on his own. So, because this is still, like, maybe a week after after Destiny Islands crashed, so Sora hasn't, Sora hasn't had the time to go independent yet. Yeah. He's still thinks of himself inferior to Riku, and it doesn't help the fact that Riku has shown that that he can in, at least hold the Keyblade, and Sora's ability to call it back will not overpower it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's... Sora, again, seeing Riku both fills him with joy, but it kind of also resets him back to being second fiddle to an emo pretty boy. Yeah. And then he and then he fights opposite armor, which is guard armor, except now his chest is a cannon. Because why not? And, and he decides to go on his adventure, and Sora has this habit of just helping out people. Just, he finds a person, thinks they're good, he helps them out. He makes great friends like Aladdin, and Jack, Skellington, not Jack Sparrow, that's a different game. Yeah. And we even see... He makes friends with Ariel after he learns that he can breathe underwater because of Donald. And we see him him start to become independent even after he sees Riku in Monstro's belly and learns that Riku has gone the other way. S- Sora... Sora is still overjoyed to see his friend when they meet in Monstro's belly, but... He learns that Riku has gone evil, and he won't fly for that. Yeah. And, of course, since Monstro's Belly is a completely optional world, world none of this comes into play when they meet at Hollow Bastion. Mm-hmm. I still wonder what would ha- 
what would happen if you went back to complete Monstro after completing Hollow Bastion? Would just nothing be there? Would Monstro even show up? No, Monstro... You have to go to Monstro, but doing the entirety of the events inside Monstro... Yeah. That... That isn't necessary. I'm wondering if the story would unfold as normally if you do it after you beat Hollow Bastion. Or if it's just completely locked up to you forever. Mm-hmm. Because, again, if you can't do it, you also can't get Geppetto out of there. And... I'm gonna try and do that next time I run through Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. Sora... So Sora again, meets up with Riku in Neverland. A place where people never grow old. And he's just heartbroken at how sadistic and cruel his friend has become. Mm-hmm. He's given the power to control the Heartless, and well, he abuses it. Yeah, he he likes to be in control of the situation. Which might also explain why Sora is was his whipping boy for so long. Yeah. And I mean, Sora it didn't is... help that he had Maleficent in his ear the whole time. Yeah. Just... On the other hand, Sora has Donald, Goofy, and Jiminy Cricket. One of those people is literally a professional conscience. Mm-hmm. He's not going to go evil anytime soon. So, Riku... Riku basically shows up, berates Sora for not searching for Kairi, brags about finding Kairi, and then explains his plan? What is his plan? I don't know. I mean... Like... He's a being of darkness now. Well, not completely, but he works for the side of darkness now, so he's got to know his world isn't there. Is his plan just to live in Hollow Bastion with Kyrie being a zombie? I don't know. Riku... Kind of, Riku's plan makes less sense than Sora's. Yeah. And Sora doesn't have a plan. <laughs> So, Sora really is affected by by the fact that Riku has gone evil, and it's really a matter of, Riku has basically changed. He's, he's been twisted, but, and I think it's supposed to be a metaphor for growing up. Yeah. He's not true to himself anymore. He's whatever the person in charge wants him to be. And the person in charge happens to be Maleficent. So, and then he turns Sora's shadow against him and then disappears and leaves Sora to Captain Hook. Which, talk about that for, for a self-esteem booster. Your best friend who now hates you doesn't even want to finish you off himself. He doesn't think you're worth his time. Dang it, Riku. <laughs> Riku was pretty evil at this point. Yeah, he... He didn't really have much of his 
Although we didn't get to see too much of his personality at the beginning. Like, I'm sure he wasn't... At least I'm sure he was a good friend. He might have been a little over-competitive, but... He wouldn't have, like, wanted people to die. He's also... He's also kind of a control freak. Yeah. You know, now that I... Now that we say it out loud, it actually kind of makes sense why Riku blames himself for so much. Yeah. But still, he... That's every sentence out of his mouth. He... Ugh. So, Sora goes to the next place, Hollow Bastion, wherein the final nail in the coffin is thrown down. Not only is Riku beating up on on this really kind person who happens to be there and is trying to rescue his his girlfriend, but he takes Sora's keyblade and then takes Sora's friends. Yeah. The friends that he was jealous that Sora had. And that's... And that's really where we start to realize this. Sora is... I mean, Riku is jealous of Sora. I don't know why. I don't know how. But Riku is jealous of Sora. I And I think it has to do with Kairi. It could be... All of this bickering and fighting and almost killing each other is over a girl. This is totally how real-life teenagers act. I am not joking here. <laughs> so, Riku takes his friends, and Sora almost gives up. And then he doesn't give up, because giving up would be stupid, and he's the chosen one. Harry. <laughs> And he teams up with the Beast, which, you know, the Beast is the most awesome party member in the game. Mm. He's a muscle-bound monster. And Sora... You even start to see how much Sora's journey has affected him, because in the beginning, he was really weak-willed, and he had... That whole, and because of that, you could even argue that that's the reason why Sora couldn't do anything to the Heartless, because now, now that he's independent and he's been on his own for so long and he's ter- grown into his own own right instead of living in Riku's shadow the entire time, he's actually able to do a very little amount to the Heartless. Yeah. Because the Heartless are still impenetrable to anything besides a Keyblade, or other weapons as we later find out. I don't get why... I don't get the logistics here, really. What 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 qualifies <laughs> some weapons to take out Heartless and other ones not to? Um... Whatever they decide that day, I suppose. I mean... For crying out loud, in Kingdom Hearts 358, you can take out Heartless with pizza and hair clips. Again, why not, you know? (laughs) (laughs) How is a wooden... That's the... That's that's the thing. Are Heartless... Are Heartless anti-Green... Green Lanterns? Are they just impervious to... The Green Lantern is impervious to everything except wood, at least in his original incarnation. Are the Heartless vulnerable to everything except wood? 
Because this is a theme. Wooden weapons just don't work. I mean... Um... <laughs> headache. Yeah. So, Sora follows Riku into the castle, and the two have their final confrontation, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Wherein Sora takes back his keyblade, takes back, back his friends, and then proceeds to beat up on the now evil Riku, who is not that intimidating. Yeah. I mean, he only has a bar and a half of health. Stealth Sneak had more health than him. Yeah. I think Guard Armor had more health than him. <laughs> so, Riku gets beaten up, and Riku, being the egotist that he is, is... This is the final thing for him. He can't believe that Sora was able to beat him as humiliatingly as he did. So he just gives himself to darkness, which, again, Sora's come all this way. He's proven that he's looking for Kairi. Why are you angry at him? Yeah. He gives himself completely to darkness and becomes possessed by, by Pazuzu. In case you didn't know, Pazuzu is the name of the demon from The Exorcist. Oh, okay. Yeah. You lost me for a second there. <laughs> me and my obscure references. Mm -mm. So, Sora goes through the entire castle and beats up some Heartless, you know. Goes through this really cool level design. And ends up in the room where Maleficent is. Now... At this point, I mean, we've met the guy in the robe plenty of times, but at this point, we still think Maleficent is the main antagonist. Mm -hmm. So, Sora defeats Maleficent, and Maleficent doesn't stand for it. She goes into a, into a place covered in thorns, which... Where was that place, anyways? Um... You also fight you also fight the um the optional boss that has lightsabers in that room. Mm. In Kingdom Hearts Final Mix, it's not in the original game. So Sora Sora has just has just delivered a fatal blow to the enemy forces. He has defeated their leader. At least we're led to believe he defeated their leader. Yeah. As it turns out, that wasn't their leader at all. Because Riku comes in in his skirt. <laughs> Worst villain outfit. <laughs> he wanted to feel pretty. I, I love the fact that he... that they instantly made this outfit because, um... Vanitas in Birth by Sleep, mm -hmm. he basically wears the same outfit. Yeah. You know why it looks good on him? Because he doesn't have a grass skirt. <laughs> what design... What designer came up with that? 
I don't even know. Just, I think Nomura designs all the original characters. I think he does. Dang you, Nomura. Oh my gosh. So he comes in in his grass skirt, and he's speaking like Regan from The Exorcist. And he turns Maleficent into a dragon form, which, you know, would be awesome if it wasn't for the fact that this boss fight is terrible. Yeah. The fact that Maleficent can basically... Because the thing is that Maleficent takes up most of the room. So, no matter where you stand, she has that one attack that you can't block no matter what, where she swings her tail around the entire room. And it's annoying. So, they fight Maleficent, and they win, and now they're, they know that he, that she wasn't the main villain. Now, Riku's the main villain, I guess. Yeah. Just, just go with it. We're almost done with Kingdom Hearts 1. (laughs) And Sora has to beat up Riku, and, again, he loses his friends to beat up Riku. Because they couldn't make it through the force field. Riku... I I like to believe that at this point, Riku's just trolling him. Either that or he's really that possessive. Yeah. Of course, we're not sure how much of the control is Riku's and how much of the control is this mysterious cloaked person. Yeah. So, Sora beats up Riku again and find out and proceeds to find out that it's too late to stop whoever this cloaked figure's plan is as basically immediately the cloaked figure sheds Riku's skin and turns into the being we now know as Ansem Seeker of Darkness. Ansem Seeker of Darkness does not wear a shirt. Nope. Why, you know? <laughs> you have, you're gonna have a girl fan base. Why wear a skirt? I mean, why wear a shirt? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's weird, because due to how the things are rendered, it, yeah. his, his muscles look very flat. And then we get into Zemnis, who, who is really big and really bulky, and you can, and you can see clearly he has muscles, but he wears a cloak the entire time. So, it's really interesting that they decided he doesn't wear a shirt because they don't ever fix this. I think the 3DS is actually more powerful than a PlayStation 2, who at least somewhat, and he mm-hmm. still doesn't look like he actually has muscles. He looks like they were tattooed on. Uh. He's also really tan. Really, yeah, very. Really tan. I. He's the. He's. He might not even be. It might not even be a tan. That might just be a skin color. Which changes from game to game. For some reason, it's darker in Ansem Seeker of Darkness than it is in any other incarnation of him. I think I just answered my own question. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so Ansem Seeker of Darkness realizes that he can probably kill Sora by, you know, just trying. 
because now he doesn't have the restrictions of being Riku. He's at full power again. The first thing that happens is Riku stops him. Yeah. Riku comes back from the grave to actually do something useful to the good guys. So, I think the I think the point of this is that it's still Riku's it's still Riku's body, it's just that it's warped into Ansem the Seeker of Darkness's body. Yeah. Also, at some point, Sora rips his own heart out so Kairi can live. That's a way to prove you love your girlfriend. Yeah. So, that happens, and then Sora spins in about ten minutes as a cute little shadow. So cute. And he just wanders around the castle until he eventually finds his way. He hugs Kairi, because hugs are the way to to solve all problems. And he turns back into a human. What we didn't know at that point was that his body had taken on a life of his own, showed up in Twilight Town, and became Roxas. Yeah. But, hey, you know, I don't think they had thought that far yet. I mean, the reason why Roxas appears with with this cloak on in another side, another story, is because they didn't have a finalized design for the character yet. That makes sense. And since they didn't have a finalized design, you you know they didn't know what they were doing with him. Mm-hmm. Which is why he looks like Marluxia. Yeah. But... Yeah, so Sora, the power of love solves all problems. (laughs) Friendship, courage, heart of the cards. Yeah. And Sora decides, Sora gets his girlfriend to safety, and then decides, and then he decides immediately that he needs to go back out there. And his girlfriend's like, why? I need to stop Ansem, Seeker of Darkness. Why? Um, because if I don't, the universe is going to be swallowed into darkness. The universe pretty much already is swallowed into darkness. Yeah. And besides, why not just fight the optional bosses? What optional bosses? (laughs) (laughs) And then he... Being Sora as we know him, he's rash and impulsive, and he just decides, yeah, I know I finally got my girlfriend back, but I have to go save Riku. Yeah, even though he's evil and, you know, doesn't want his help, but gotta spend an entire another game looking for him. Yeah, I... I feel like Sora just... I feel like Sora wasn't paying attention after Cloud... All these important character things that happen to him, he doesn't pay attention. Mm-hmm. So, he goes to the end of the world, despite the fact that, given the context of the game, that should be called the end of the worlds, but... You know what, let's just roll with it. And he goes through this really trippy place, fighting heartless at their core, I guess. 
And he fights the devil at some point. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> he was... I don't... I don't understand why Chernabog was there. I mean... I don't think anyone... Not only did anyone not expect him to be there, there wasn't a purpose for him being there. Yeah. He was just there. So Chernabog uh, gets defeated, which, again... Sora just beat up the Slavic god of the dead, so he's gotten pretty powerful at this point. Mm. And then he finds Ansem the Seeker of Darkness. And, well, he fights a battleship. I'm very disappointed that when you beat the battleship... Ansem, the Seeker of Darkness, doesn't say, You sunk my battleship. <laughs> that would be too good. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Sora at this point has evolved into the Chosen One. So let's have him forget how to do everything. Yes, we need filler. Welcome, my friends, to Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories. In Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories... You do get to do it all over again! Card games, not on motorcycles. Those are the worst kind of card games. Yeah. We should know. We haven't developed the technology to play card games on motorcycles yet. I'm waiting for the day. Yep. I know you are. Yes. Not very so, good at, you know, children's card games, but... I doubt the motorcycles would make it better. <laughs> you know, in theory, they did release the card that makes you able to play card games on motorcycles, so you can just play card games on motorcycles without the motorcycles. Yeah. But it's not as cool. And by that, I mean... <laughs> so, Sora stumbles upon this castle... In the middle of nowhere. Because that's not weird at all. How how he got there, nobody knows. Apparently, Sora entered a space where he could travel between worlds. So, and he comes upon this castle where he was led by this guy in a black, black cloak. Because, you know, every single time a black cloak person has appeared on his journey, it's always ended well. Oh, yeah. You should totally follow him. So, he goes to the castle, and he's told very early on some cryptic stuff, and that he'll need to forget to remember, and then and then the guy hands him a deck of children's trading cards and says, see you at the top. <laughs> then a tutorial level happens, and I'm like, and he's like, okay, I'm back, but only for the tutorial. Hit me! Stop trying to hit me and hit me! Yeah. Uh, and this person is revealed to be the most fabulous character ever. Which, I mean, taken in Japanese context, it's not as gay-looking, yeah. but... It's still It's still really gay. gay. <laughs> I mean, he has yeah. pink hair. 
It was supposed to be a woman. You can't get gayer than that. A hastily made decision to change a to change a female character to a male character. His voice actor doesn't reflect it, though. No, he is probably one of the most masculine-sounding voices in that game. Hmm. And it's kind of hilarious. Yeah, he, um... So, Sora obviously trusts this guy, because as of right now... Okay, Sora doesn't really trust this guy, but as of right now, it's his only lead to answers. And this mysterious cloak figure promised him answers, and... It was either that or wander the field of paradise for the rest of, of eternity, and honestly, this is the better option. Yeah. I mean, wandering fields of paradise is boring. Yeah, so, yeah. So Sora goes into this castle, and he's really suspicious of everything that's going on, until he starts to remember that he was friends with the blonde chick. And instantly every bit of suspicion gets thrown out the window because now he needs to learn who this blonde chick is and if he has a chance with her. <laughs> because he's never going to get back to his hot redhead. Ever. Yeah. It doesn't help that at some point he just forgets her. Literally forgets her. It's not one of those things where it's like, like, hey, you know, oh, I was, I was friends with this, but I, I like you better. No, he literally forgets her. Doesn't I'm, remember her name. I mean, Nominee does that whole thing. She, it, she has the ability to control memories. Yeah. There has to be an official term for that. I just don't want to go look it up. I mean, they call her a witch. But to be fair, the person calling her a witch is also a witch. Yeah. She's not only a witch, she's a ninja. Which... You can tell that this is part Final Fantasy because the ninja character in the series of in the series of thirteen characters that each reflect one class in the Final Fantasy games, they um she's a girl. <laughs> Most ninjas are girls in Final Fantasy games. Yuffie's a girl, Riku's a girl. Not not Riku from Kingdom Hearts, Riku. No, Riku with two K's. Yeah. Terra Strong. <laughs> Yeah, so he meets So he meets people and tries to become friends with them, but they won't be his friend. And he meets fan favorite characters and Axel says got it memorized, except he doesn't because in the Game Boy Advance version his catchphrase was committed to memory and it makes him sound classier, but it's not as catchy. I'm I wonder at what point they changed the catchphrase. Because... I know he did the Got It Memorized in Kingdom Hearts 2. Yeah, that's probably when they changed it, because in Chain of Memories it was entirely committed to memory. Yeah. He even went through the motions. So, he meets Axel, who is this guy who keeps giving him more cryptic nonsense, except... He keeps talking about some sort of game, which is not him being self self aware. He just takes, he just thinks it's good sport to kill people, because he is an assassin. But I don't think he's actually the assassin class. It's kind of, it's kind of iffy, whether Axel or Marluxia is the assassin class. Yeah. 
So Axel gets beat up by children's trading cards. And then Sora goes on more, starts to remember this girl, and becomes rash and impulsive again. These are character flaws. Which is good, because that means he has character flaws. Trust me, they they could just make this character completely perfect. <laughs> they, I think they were trying to at some point. Yeah. So... And then he meets the one thing he never thought he'd meet in his entire journey, the true definition of evil, Larxene. Larxene is voiced by the girl from the Wendy's commercials. Not not the not the redhead, the girl from the commercials before that. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how sadistic and cruel she sounds. <laughs> So, not much pertaining to the plot or character development happens. He just knows it's his goal to find this girl named Namine and learn more about his past, an entire part of his past that he completely forgot about. Because that's not suspicious at all. This is this is Sora being an idiot again. Yeah, it's kind of hard to understand if he knows that his memories are gone. He knows his memories are gone, but he doesn't actually care, because Marluxia, the first thing he said was, you'll lose all your memories, but you'll remember the most important one. Which yeah. again was a trick, because technically Nomine and Sora have never met. Technically. And technically, they have met. It's complicated. So, we have Sora going through this castle to save a girl he never met before, but I guess he kind of did, but he didn't. Things are starting to get confusing here, folks. And then a wild pedophile appears. A wild pedophile who, I guess, put Riku into servitude. I should stop talking. <laughs> I just now realized that someone's going to listen to our show and take everything I'm saying and put it into a fanfiction. If they haven't already. It's rule 34 of the internet. I hate that rule. <laughs> I also don't like 63, is it? I think that's the one... One where every character has to have a gender-swapped version. Mm. They like Although, doing that in Kingdom Hearts, too. Yeah. This is why I have her here, folks. <laughs> she doesn't know as much about the about the continuity as I do, and she hasn't played ha the last two games, but she knows the fan base better than I do. Yeah, you don't dress up in costume and go to conventions a lot without... <laughs> kind of. And hosting a panel. Yeah, twice! Yeah. Which I guess I am obligated to go to now. Yeah, you should. So, the pedophile starts... <laughs> <laughs> this is just... We've, we've discussed in great detail about why we don't call Vexen by his name. <laughs> He's 
just the pedophile. He's so creepy. <laughs> he was um he was voiced by um oh the bug guy. The bug guy from Naruto. Oh. Was his voice actor. That makes sense. Yes. I feel like Vexen would be the kind of guy who would just collect bugs. And not like... I mean, he collected replicas. Yes. Why was his plan to clone? I don't really know. And... And why is it that he has a machine to create replicas, but he himself is capable of self-replication? They just stay in the machine for too long? I don't even know. But, yeah, so... The pedophile has him fight a replica of his best friend, who... Again, since Sora's forgetting all about the character development he had, along with the character development other people had, he forgot that Riku kind of, sort of, didn't really redeem himself at the end. Riku closed the door, people. This is... That was Riku's big contribution to society. He stopped Ansem, the Seeker of Darkness, from killing Sora that one time, and then he closed the door. Riku sucks. I'm I'm sorry. I know Riku has a huge fan base, but Riku sucks. He's he's, he's okay. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't do anything. He does more than Kyrie. Kyrie Kyrie isn't supposed to do things at least in this point. Because they still haven't figured out where her character was going. Yeah. But Kyrie, all in all, is still more useful than Riku. Because whether she grows as a character or not, she's still a princess of heart. Yeah. And so, first of all, she that basically makes her immune to the heartless. Because she's uncorruptible. Very useful person to have on your side. And then there's the fact that she does get to learn learn how to get a keyblade throughout through the weirdest way possible. She she gets the keyblade power by accident. How do you do that? Logic, there is none. <laughs> so we have ourselves wandering through a castle. Sora has met met the fan-favorite character, the definition of evil, and a pedophile. <laughs> what kind of castle is this? Actually, don't, don't answer. <laughs> so, and after Sora beats up Riku, which Sora always beats up Riku, why did Sora feel he was inferior to this guy again? Because for the first little bit in the game, he was totally superior to your character. Yeah. What was he, level two? <laughs> so, Sora beats up Riku, and then the pedophile shows up and hands him a trading card. Yay, and he's cards. All like, and he's all like, Zomga, this is a rare trading card. 
do not use it on that door up there. He's like, but this is a world card. Do not use it on that door up there. I'm just going to use it on the door up there. No, don't! You don't even know where this place is! Do you always just go around using trading cards that you don't know where they are? <laughs> Isn't that the point of this game? Yeah. I mean, I've completely forgotten everywhere I was going. And everyone disappeared when I tried to go back and remember. And you'd think if you didn't want somebody to use the card, why hand it to them in the first place? Mm. He actually did want to use the card. Wanted to use the card. Because the thing was, was that Vexen was trying his hardest to make Sora realize the scam here. Mm. The scam that players have already realized. Yeah. He's like... He's like, here, take this card. It's from a memory you have, but but of a world you've never been to. Well, then how do I have that memory? Shut up! Science! <laughs> and he fights Vexen, and then Axel's all like, yeah, don't listen to a word he said, just, just keep going. You have to rescue Namine. And Vexen's like, what are you doing? You fool! He almost realized... He's like, yeah, we can't have him doing that. Snaps his fingers, Vexen bursts into flames and dies. Yeah, Axel's kind of like a mercenary in this game. Like, he will really yeah. kill anybody. Yeah. He... He pretends to be working for Marluxia. Yeah. When really he's w working for Syax. So, Axel kills Vexen, so death count one. Um... And Sora just keeps going on. He makes it to the top. Finds out that that Riku is a clone. Which... Riku's react... R Riku Replica's reaction to this is pretty weird. He, um... He actually goes into a coma. Sort of. He, he finds out his life is a lie, and once he starts believing it... Nominee freezes his memories so that he doesn't implode. Mm-hmm. I guess. No. Nothing is very clear about the villains' motives here. We know that they want to overthrow this organization that they're part of using Sora as a super weapon, so they're making him forget everything so that they can reprogram him. That's what we know. But we're not entirely sure about anything else they're doing. Yeah, I mean, they've already got Roxas at this point. Yeah, but Roxas is also on or on the organization side. Yeah. Sora would be on the um, Marluxius on Marluxius side, and Sora would be more powerful than Roxas because Sora is a complete being. That's true. Mostly, he still needs to combine with Roxas to be completely complete, but. What are you doing, Kingdom Hearts? Why do you com why do complete people need to be complete? It's like a riddle. Yeah. So Sora uh, finds out everything is a lie because Nominee tells him, and it's at this point we find out that Axel's goal is to get Nominee out of there safely. 
which is kind of a weird goal to have for somebody who seems only interested in killing people. Is Ax- Does Axel know something he's not telling us? <laughs> Probably. This is Axel, after all. So, Sora beats Marluxia, which is kind of embarrassing, because Marluxia is actually insanely powerful. I didn't think pink could be this deadly. (laughs) Marluxia, he's a Grim Reaper joke. Yeah. I mean, Sakuras are technically, like... Symbols of death. Hmm. I wonder why they keep naming characters in anime Sakura. It's almost as if it means something. (laughs) So Sora beats Marluxia because he's pretty angry at this point. He's been living a lie. He doesn't even know which lie is which. And then he decides he doesn't care like, my my whole existence has been turned into a lie. And I don't care. I mean, I believe right now that Naminé is my friend, so why not just, why not help her out? You know? Yeah. And this goes back to his, him being naive and not being able to really think of anything besides what's going on right at this moment. He's naive and impulsive. This is... These are his main character traits. He's naive, he's impulsive, and these are not a winning combination. Ow. Yeah. So... So Sora beats um beats Marluxia and then Nominee's like, Yeah, I'm gonna go I'm you you guys are gonna go to sleep for a year. And Zora's like, Okay. It's okay, I didn't sleep this entire journey. At all. I've I've literally been asleep for the past three months. Or I've been awake for the past three months. Cause really he has. When when does he sleep? Yeah. What does he eat? Shh, it's not supposed to make sense. <laughs> well, if... Well, if no one's... If it's not supposed to make sense, then why... Why are the restaurants and... What's going on anymore? Yeah, they probably do this when the game's turned off. Probably. So, Sora... Uh, goes to sleep for a year, and when he wakes up, he's older, his clothes don't fit him, but he hasn't matured at all. He suddenly remembers all the character development he had in Kingdom Hearts 1, can't remember a single bit of the character development he has in Chain of Memories. So, basically they're alternating what he doesn't remember. Yeah. One of these days he'll remember everything. Probably. I think his head might explode after that. Oh, you think his head might explode? Wait until they go to the world of Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) paradox. Wherein they spend the entire game 
the entire world would basically just be trying to convince and Sora that he's a that he's a fictional character and Sora uh, at first not believing them and then second not caring mm-hmm. everyone else this would shake their entire existence Sora would just be like I'm a fictional character and it's cool <laughs> I have to go save a princess now does if Kyrie's a princess and Ansem the Wise is the king of Radiant Garden does that mean Kyrie is his daughter that would be interesting so yeah Sora goes through Kingdom Hearts 2 and basically acts the same as he did in Kingdom Hearts 1, except now he has cool clothes. Yeah. No more baggy red pants. Now we have baggy black pants. Yes. And it's glorious. (laughs) Also, his clothes have magical powers, but they have the ability to turn him into a cat. And he makes the most adorable kitty ever. He does make a really adorable kitty. Um, his clothes are... His clothes were built by Flora, Fauna, and Meriwether, and after they were done bickering about what to color them... It makes sense. It makes sense, given the characters from the movie. Yeah. But we've also never been introduced to those characters before. They just show up to give you clothes. They apparently work for Yen Sid. Because Yen Sid is Disney backwards. Yeah. So, does that mean Yen Sid is God? I don't... I don't really know if they have a religious logic in this game. Except for that one world. Yeah. Olympus Coliseum has a very set-in-stone religious system. Yeah, I mean, technically it is all just mythological people. Yeah. So. Mulan is a poem, not a fairy tale. Yeah, but... It works. So, Sora goes through and he learns different lessons. Like, for instance, his friends realize that he went missing for a year and that it... and that they didn't remember him. Yeah. Naminé did not do a good job reconnecting the memories. Because you think she would be like, like, okay, I need to reconnect these memories. I should make people remember... or that year and that Sora was just missing and that nobody and it's nothing big he he was just he just went somewhere and he's back now nope completely forgets to do that part as Leon Leon on literally explains that one moment they didn't remember him the next moment they did which 
Leon makes it sound instantaneous when it took Kyrie six days to remember him. Kyrie should be the first person to remember him. Because their hearts are connected. Yeah. And Riku remembers him because he was in Castle Oblivion at the time? I think that's the explanation that he was immune to the to Naminé's magic because he was in Castle Oblivion at the time, despite the fact that Sora was not immune to Naminé's magic. Yeah. Nothing makes sense anymore. And I doubt it ever will. Yeah. Just be so confused for us, my life. So, we basically Sora attempts to be more mature. And it kind of helps that the game introduces the idea of gray areas with Ally instead of, you know, Kingdom Hearts 1 where everything was black and white. Yeah. Even Riku. I think Riku was supposed to be a gray area, but... No. He was very obviously on the dark side. Mm-hmm. He was Anakin. <laughs> so... Sora just has to deal with the fact that there are now gray areas and that some villains will not always be villainous, some heroes will not always be heroic. Not everybody you can count on to be a hero, to be a villain, will always be. I mean, he learned that big time with Captain Jack Sparrow. Yeah. For all intents and purposes, Jack Sparrow should be a villain. But no, he's he's a hero. He's like an anti-hero. Actually, he's a drunken idiot. That's true, but... He can't even remember their names. He calls him Zolo. He calls... He calls, um... Sora Zolo, and then he never took the time to even care about what Donald and Goofy are called. Yeah. Captain Jack Sparrow, everybody. Not voiced by Johnny Depp. Because that's kind of out of the budget. That would probably cost the entire budget to hire Johnny Depp. Probably. So, Sora makes new friends, reunites with old ones, defeats the God of the Dead, meets the most awesome character in any Final Fantasy game. He becomes a soldier in the Chinese army. Yeah, he just, like, inserts himself into all sorts of plot lines again. Yeah. Some some of them don't make sense. Who is he supposed to be in, in Port Royal? Um... I don't even know. He... He becomes a cat. He goes to the digital world. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, does not meet Agumon. <laughs> and all of this is basically... There isn't a lot of character development for the character in the first half of Kingdom Hearts 2. The sec... It's when you go back to Hollow Bastion that things start. Goofy is presumed dead, and that affects him. 
there's a war going on. And all of this is something Sora hasn't had to deal with, really. He's He hasn't had to deal with stakes before. Yeah. Like, it was at the end of Kingdom Hearts 1 that the stakes of what would happen if he he didn't win became clear, and and there were basically no stakes in Chain of Memories. The the thing was, he defeated Marluxia because otherwise Marluxia would have, have have succeeded in his plan. But now things things getting real. The organization is is being very aggressive with their plans, even the guy whose only power is to summon water with his music. And create clones of himself. Made of water. Yeah. That are also playing music. Yep. Gotta have a guitar solo somewhere in the game. I I like how if you listen closely, you can hear him plucking on his strings. Yeah. I mean... It's kind of hard to hear because of the fact that the music overpowers him, but... So, Sora, he's basically being the chosen one again. And he's on this quest to find Riku, because he knows where Kairi is, so he doesn't really care about her, I guess? Mm-hmm. And then he finds out Kairi somehow left their world, and all of a sudden... He's like, oh, great, I have to find her again. This would be what normal people's reaction would be. Sora's like, oh, great, I get to find her again. <laughs> Completely genuine. Not a hint of sarcasm. He he likes finding friends. Yeah, that seems to be his purpose in life. <laughs> finding friends. Also being the chosen one. Yeah. Harry. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, as sort of making you, you you know, immune to that joke. <laughs> Slowly but surely. Yeah. So Sora just goes along and does his thing, finds Riku eventually, and it's a really heartwarming reunion. And then Riku's just like, "Yeah, I want nothing to do with you." And Sora's like, "But why?" And Riku's just like, because I don't like me. Yeah, you gotta throw in some more, like, emo subtones. This... Riku... At this point, Riku's just full-on trying to repay what he did in the first game, which is a recurring theme throughout the entirety of the series. Like, the rest of the series... Riku's there, and he's blaming himself for everything. Yeah. <laughs> the four, the f- when Kingdom Hearts 3 gets released, we're gonna see Riku doing things like just knocking over bushes accidentally and <laughs> getting on his knees and crying over it. <laughs> I am the worst person ever! So, we have... So that happens, and Sora finally meets the big boss of the organization, which it doesn't surprise him at all when it turns out to be Xehanort. 
calling himself Zemnis. Because now he knows the real name of the character. Before yeah. he thought it was Ansem. Now he knows that that's Xehanort. I wonder why Mickey didn't realize that Master Xehanort was the main villain of Birth by Sleep, and then another guy who has the same skin color, same eye color, same silver hair, and happens to call himself Xehanort, just shows up after Master Xehanort goes missing. You'd, you'd think he'd put two and two together, is all I'm saying. <sighs> Oh, <laughs> you know Sora. But we're not talking about Sora, we're talking about Mickey. That's true. Mickey's Mickey's actually intelligent and competent in things. Um. It makes you wonder why he hangs out with Donald and Goofy. Or more so Donald. Yeah. So, Sora kind of... This really doesn't affect Sora because he's seen everything at this point. I mean, he was a soldier in the Chinese army, and nobody questioned the fact that he was not Chinese. Or the fact that there was a duck in the Chinese <laughs> army. <laughs> Why not? The, the most important thing is that Sora learns to skateboard. Yeah. And there's a minigame centered around that. Basically, King Hearts 2 is just a lot of Sora or a reuniting with friends, and then about halfway through the game, he realizes, oh, wait, the organization actually has a plan. Yeah. Crap. So he goes to stop them, Axel sacrifices himself, and, and it hurts Sora, but he's not entirely sure why. And throughout the entire game, they make implications of Roxas's influence on Sora. Mostly in his hair color. Because mm-hmm. now he's a dirty blonde instead of a brown-haired... Instead of having brown hair. But, yeah, this really was Roxas's game. That first six days had more character development than the entire rest of the game. Because... <laughs> Sora basically is a fully developed character. He went through his journey in Kingdom Hearts 1. Now it's Roxas' journey in Kingdom Hearts 2. In Kingdom Hearts 3, it'll be a new character. Probably. Yeah. Who will also have spiky hair. Why not, you know? They all have spiky hair. I mean, think about it. Riku just has downward spikes. Marluxia has rough spiky hair. Yeah. Larxene has those antenna spikes. Everyone in this... Axel looks like a hedgehog. (laughs) Everyone in this stupid series has spiky hair. (laughs) What is... Uh, So Sora... Dang you, phone. Sora is like, like, yeah, I really stopped caring at this point. And now it's time for him to take a test. Which, I love how Sora's in Dream Drop Distance, Sora's just like, 
Like, but I I already know how to wield a keyblade. Why why do I need to learn how to wield a keyblade? Yeah. And then Zian says, like, your style is unorthodox. And then Sora's just like, but other Keyblade Masters wield in my style. Name one Keyblade Master. One Keyblade Master who wields <laughs> in your style. How do you wield a Keyblade, Yen Sid? I haven't wielded a Keyblade since 1932. <laughs> but your movie didn't come out till 1940. Silence! I feel like this conversation would have happened if... It probably would have. Like, it's kind of on the, along the same lines of when you ask your parents a question and they're like, because I said so. Yeah. Something like that. That is completely how this game is. It's like, why is this because it is? And it's like, because yeah. we wanted it to be. So, Yen's, so Yen Sid makes it very clear that in order for Sora to go, Sora and Riku to pass the test, they need to go into the dream world. So he puts them to sleep. They they make it very clear that they're just laying in the real world. They're just laying down on the floor there. Yeah. People just keep walking in, and they have to step over them. And Kasor and Rico just there, sleeping on the floor. Of course. No, we can't find beds anywhere. <laughs> this tower. It's a tower that is bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. It has, like, pathways to alternate dimensions, and it has a closet. <laughs> so, Sora and... Re Sora, in his dreams, he's completely enamored about what's going on here. Mostly that his outfit has changed. Again. Yeah. Also that he's back to being 14, but he still has his modern day voice. Because in the dream world, everyone is where they were when their journey started. Thankfully, they don't lose their memories. So we don't have Riku going through the exact <laughs> character arc again. Yeah. No, this time Riku goes through a completely different character arc. But we're not talking about Riku this episode, we're talking about Sora. Because I think I decided 20 minutes ago that Sora's the topic. And forgot yep. to tell you. That's okay, I've kind of assumed that's what we're going with. Yeah, so Sora, he just sort of chills out in the dream world, does his thing, makes friends with people who don't like having friends. Yeah. Like Neku Sakuraba. By the way, he doesn't remember anything. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't even know what to say at this point. Like, Yeah, these are not Final Fantasy characters, people. These are the World Ends With You characters. Don't know what that is? Go find out. It's because fabulous. The world, the world Ends With You is a great game. I love it to death. So, we have Sora going around the world and... Being a child, unfortunately, because of the fact that Sora has to be everywhere all the time, 
we can't have the same excuse that the gargoyles from Hunchback of Notre Dame were just in Quasimodo's imagination because Quasimodo was insane. Because Sora can see them too. Mm-hmm. So Sora goes around making friends, helping people, the usual Sora stuff. But he starts to, very early on, he starts meeting, well, Xehanorts. But not the Xehanort we know. He starts meeting 15-year-old Xehanorts. And Xehanort just keeps telling him all this cryptic stuff that he doesn't quite understand. And at one point, Vanitas is also there, and Sora doesn't question that at all, despite the fact that Vanitas looks exactly like him. Except with black hair and yellow eyes. Yeah. Does Sora even know what he looks like at this point? Because the mirrors in Yinsid's tower don't actually give off a reflection, because that's... Because making... Doing the reflection physics stuff is actually really complicated. That's why a lot of games don't do reflections, because reflections are complicated. But Sora, he just he just goes off on on this journey and keeps meeting up with this cryptic man who is very obviously Xehanort, but they they're just keep on being like, who is he? I mean, he has tan skin, yellow eyes, silver hair. It can't be Xehanort, can it? <laughs> they actually they actually do this. They just keep on asking, who are you? And he never answers them. And I'm feeling it's not because he's trying to be cryptic. I'm feeling it's because it's really obvious. Yeah. But again, Sora's an idiot. A lovable idiot, an idiot nonetheless. And he... And then, when they both complete their test, sort of, Riku finds out he's inside Sora's dream. And that he's a dream eater. Basically, the thing here is that Sora's dreams are more important and more fragile, so he created his own dream eater via Riku to protect them. So we have Riku playing guardian to Sora. How is Riku the mature one? I guess because he's older. Barely. Yeah. And besides, no one's as old as Mickey. No, Mickey's been around for forever. He's Mickey's been around for a hundred and five years. No, not no, not quite a hundred yet, but close. Next decade, he'll be around for a hundred years, and that's gonna be that's that's gonna be crazy. Mickey's almost 100 years old. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah. I think he's... Is he 85? Wow. 
I think Mickey is 85. Jeez. Huh. I've never even met somebody old. That old. Well, actually, I've met people over 100. But still, I don't deal with people very often who are over 85. Because it's hard to make it to 85. So, we have Sora. And then, here's where things get complicated. Even more so than normal. So, Master Xehanort has been engaging in time travel shenanigans <laughs> to to collect versions of himself after the Organization 13 plan failed, which, by the way, the Organization 13 plan was actually to create 13 Xehanorts because you need 13 beings of complete darkness and 7 beings of complete light to open the door to the true Kingdom Hearts. He only collected 12 of himself. He, he had an idea for who the 13th is. And that was Sora. Mm-hmm. At some point, Xehanort broke into Yinsid's tower, presumably when Maleficent was attacking was attacking um Disney Castle and Mickey had and they all went away to do that. Xehanort broke into Yinsid's tower, stole Sora away, and brought him to the world that never was to sit in a chair so that he could be converted into Xehanort. Riku has to come save him being inside Sora's dream and yet somehow being in the real world at the same time. <laughs> and then he succeeds and Xehanort's just all like, well, you may have won this round, but I'll be back. And next time you won't be able to stop me, so you better be prepared to gather the seven lights so that we can have a war here. One of those lights is obviously Kyrie, because she's a Keyblade Master who literally has a heart of pure light. So yeah, and Sora's just all like, like he's asleep this entire time, and then they find out that they can't wake him up. He went through the tunnels of darkness, and he's just... And now he's having an inner struggle and everything. So Riku has to go in and get him. Wherein Riku fights... Ventus. Who is Ventus? Ventus is a character we didn't talk about. Ventus was one of... The original three Keyblade Masters. Well, not the original three. He was in Birth by Sleep. He was part of the last Sora, Riku, Kairi group. Because this is a group that shows up constantly. It's like in Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. Every so often, in a group of four, of four meddling kids and a dog come together to serve an ancient Aztec Demon King. Yes. But Sora, he's... So, that generation, Ventus gets knocked... Ventus almost loses his heart, but then his heart gets sent inside Sora. So, Sora actually has the hearts of, like, 50 people right now. 
he is he is basically just if anyone needs a heart, he can give it because he has like fifty of them. Yeah. So he fights Ventus, who is now Dark Ventus because the because he sort of had to let himself get absorbed by darkness so that Sora didn't. And Ventus sort of acts like a white blood cell and Riku is the virus. This makes sense. <laughs> no, it doesn't. What is going on anymore? They're just... They are making things up as they go along. Of course. Does... does no, do you think Nomura actually has a plan? I hope he does. I mean, it would suck to get so invested in this entire series, and it just, like... Because we know that the death of Xehanort isn't going to be an end of the series. He's going to make more of them. Yeah. Meaning that there's probably going to be a new villain. Whoever that guy is, I have no idea. But... Who knows? He might be cool. Yeah. Or it might just be Maleficent. Because Maleficent is supposedly the villain. Supposedly being the key word. (laughs) She is supposedly a villain. So far, she's barely done anything. Yeah. And then she almost died. And so, Riku beats Dark Ventus, and instead of, you know, what would you think would happen... He gets transported even deeper into Sora's dream. Basic to basically leave that point in inception where there's just, just that world, you know, that's you know, that world that's the deepest level of dreams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's basically where he gets transported. And he meets up with Roxas. Shion, who nobody remembers, she's a character we're getting in we're gonna get into later. And Ventus, who he mistakes for Roxas because none of these people know who Ventus is. And he saves Sora. So Sora's big so the big reveal is that Sora is actually gonna be the instrument of the of their destruction and not Riku. Cause that's a nice way to paint your protagonist. I... I don't entirely know. They explain why Riku can't be the 13th Xehanort, because apparently he's become immune to darkness. Obviously... The, um... Kyrie is off limits. Yeah. Cause she is pure light. So yeah, let's let's just use Sora. I, I feel like Xehanort's already had this plan and it backfired. I don't know what Xehanort's plan is because he he pretends like he needs the Kai blade, but if it's just seven And why is it an not an even number of lights and darknesses? I don't know. Oh, boy. 
Well, that's about the end of everything we know right now. Yeah. We're, we'll wait to see what happens in Kingdom Hearts 3 where Sora... Oh, Sora went missing. That's another thing that happened. He left and he hasn't been back yet. And Donald and Goofy are literally waiting for him. That's... They're... Because they don't need him up in Yinsid's tower because they're not Keyblade Masters and they're not important enough. So they just wait by the door for Sora to come back. Donald and Goofy are pretty lost. Yeah. I think they've realized they haven't been important since Kingdom Hearts 2. <laughs> there. That's the end of the topic. We... We're very excited for Kingdom Hearts 3 to see what happens next. Sora, hopefully we'll get some more character development, because... Most likely. He's kind of a fully developed character, but he's also pretty... cut and paste. He's... Yeah, he's whatever you want him to be. Sort of. He kind of has just... His main character trait is that he's impulsive. Yeah. He's kind, he's impulsive, he's he's kind of arrogant, really. Not not to the point where it hinders him like it does, say, Riku. Mm-hmm. I think we've said Riku just as much as we've said Sora at this topic. It's hard to talk about one without talking about the other, because they're kind of well, tied together. Well, when we do our Riku topic next, probably... Probably. We, we um we can talk about Riku without talking about Sora because Sora's been absent for let's see here. We didn't talk about Recoded because that has nothing to do with Sora. Yeah. So Sora's act Sora's been absent for Birth by Sleep, where he actually did appear, but he appeared as a little kid and it didn't really matter. And he was absent in 358 over two days, except as an unlockable old character for the multiplayer mode. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Sora was absent for for two very important plot points. Yeah. So he's kind of... He's the protagonist of the series and will always be according to Nomura. Of course, if they wait much longer, they'll have to get a different voice actor for him. <laughs> I mean, they already had to replace Hayden Panettiere with Allison Stoner from the Disney Channel. Well, it, it's kind of hard when your series is supposed to progress, but I mean, it takes it so long for them to put out games, but the characters are supposed to stay around the same age, so... I I love that that um Final Fantasy Versus 13, the the thing was, they weren't going to start work on Kingdom Hearts 3 until they finished Final Fantasy Versus 13. Now they're just designing the two side by side. Yeah. So, yeah, Sora will will probably develop more because, you know, he's the focus of the series, I think. It's really hard when the plot keeps taking you in 50 different directions. Mm-hmm. But... You know, it should, it should be fun. I'm excited for Kingdom Hearts 3, and... As I'm sure is everyone else. At least anyone else who's still, you know, really into the series. Yeah. I know a lot of people who gave up after the first game. 
Oh, that's sad. Like, they... The first game to them was so great, and then every other game has been terrible. See, I'm really easy to impress. <laughs> and I mean, I know going to conventions and stuff, there are still people, not as many as when it had started out, but hmm. there are still a lot of people who will cosplay as it, and I know I can get a good crowd from my panels that I do. So there has to be at least a bit of a fan base still going. Well, there's a fan base for everything. There's Yeah. Heck, there's a fan base for Earthbound. And that's a game that came out in the 80s, and its sequel came out in 2006, and never made it to America. Yeah. And people still love this series, so... Yeah. Yeah, there's... The fan base will always stick around in some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. It'll... It'll decrease, because you have waves of fan bases, like, there's the wave of people who gave up after the first game... Then there was a wave of people who gave gave up after all the handhelds started taking over, and there didn't appear to be plot development because I find a lot of people didn't realize that all these side games are supposed to be part of the plots. Yeah, I find a lot of people who are like, after they're done with all these side games, I'll finally get back into Kingdom Hearts. I'm like, you do realize that you're gonna be insanely lost. Yeah, it's just, it's hard for a lot of people because I know my situation, like, I can't afford to go out and buy all the games. So I am just stuck, you know, reading about it online. And hearing about it from me. Yeah. So, but, I, and if it, and if it was just that, people couldn't afford it, I, I think that would be okay. There's people, but the fact that the majority of the fan base just straight up refuses to acknowledge the side games as ma- as the ma- as part of the main storyline. Yeah. I mean Birth by Sleep is Birth by Sleep and Dream Drop Distance are basically numbered titles. Mhm. Especially by Birth by Sleep. Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep might as well be called Kingdom Hearts 0. And Dream Drop Distance could be Kingdom Hearts 3. So, yeah, these the side games are really important. Some of them less so than others. Like, Chain of Memories, the majority of Sora's side isn't important, and mm-hmm. also a lot of Riku's stuff isn't important. Um, Recoded is basically not important until the last half hour. Yeah. And... 358 over 2 days doesn't even ha- has 358 over 2 days is important but only to characters that will they will be re- appearing in the storyline still it's just that they aren't the focus yeah so it's we'll see where it goes and i think that means the end of this topic, so... Oh. Let's move on into what would normally be the feedback, but since we don't have feedback, it's just going to be us telling us, telling you where you can find us. Yep. Alright, let's do it. (laughs) 
And we're back with what would normally be the feedback. However, this is the first episode. So, yep. instead we're just going to give out our contact information. You can find... If you want to send feedback, you can find the show at divetotheheartpodcast at gmail.com because divetotheheart at gmail.com was taken surprisingly. That's D-I-V-E-T-O-T-H-E H-E-A-R-T P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. I feel that I need to spell that out for you despite the fact that these are five words that people on the internet <laughs> should know very well. You And if you want to find us on Twitter, that would be at capital D lowercase t, lowercase t capital H podcast. So... Because, again, at Dive to the Heart was taken. I, hey, it's, it's a popular yeah. phrase. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good name. Yeah. You, c- you can also find us individually on Twitter. I am at EdZoologist. That's E-D-Z-O-O-L-O-G-I-S-T. And Mackenzie, you are? I am at Anathema Rose. So it's A-N-A... T-H-E-M-A underscore R-O-S-E. Very good. I think that's it. Yep. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you at the next one.